existed. But though the guests of Hopwick Country House Hotel, deep in their hearts, were probably aware of this fact, like children suspending disbelief to their own advantage over the existence of Father Christmas, they willingly ignored it. None of the clientele, anyway, had the background which might qualify them to argue with the detail of the hotel's ambiance. Real aristocrats, whose upbringing might have contained some elements of the effect being sought after, would never have dreamed of staying in such a place. American tourists, whose images of England were derived largely from books featuring Hercule Poirot, Miss Marple and Lord Peter Whimsey, found nothing at all discordant. And though the trust-funded or city-bonus rich young couples who made up the rest of the hotel's guest list might occasionally assert themselves by sending the wine back, they were far too socially insecure to question the authenticity of the overall experience for which they paid so much over the odds. When they departed the hotel, they didn't blanch as they flashed a precious metal credit card over the bill. In that detail, the image was sustained. No one was so indelicate as to appear to think about money. As to all the boring stuff being done by invisible servants... Here the hotel was on less certain ground. Though that was certainly the effect to which the management aspired, they didn't have at their disposal the vast armies of staff which would have ensured the clockwork precision running of an Edwardian country house. Economy dictated that there were never really enough bodies around to do everything that was required, that the hotel's owner ended up doing far more menial work than she should have done, and that when one member of staff failed to turn up on time, chaos threatened. Which was why Jude had received an emergency call from the hotel's owner that April afternoon. There was no one at the antique reception table as she hurried past, just a tiny brass bell to summon service. Jude was making for the kitchen at the end of the hall, but noticed a door opposite the bar entrance was open and moved towards it. Steep steps led down to the hotel cellar. The lights were on. As Jude peered down, a familiar face looked up at her. Thank God you've come. What is it this time? Bloody waitresses. Stella's cried off because she's going out with some new man, but she promised me her daughter had come in. Bloody kid rang in at quarter to four to say she couldn't do it. Any reason? Didn't say. Told me and rang off. Suppose you should be grateful she rang at all. Why? God, Stella's going to get an earful when she next comes in. Don't sack her. Jude's voice was firm and cautionary. You can't afford to lose any more staff. No. Susie Longthorne, the hotel owner, sighed and held out two bottles of port. Could you take these? She picked up two more, turned off the cellar light, came up the stairs and locked the door behind her. Going to need a lot of port tonight, she said, and led the way through to the kitchen. Inside, she put the bottles down on the table and wearily coiled her long body into a chair. Even though she had thickened out around the neck, Susie Longthorne remained a beautiful woman. It was still easy to see why she had graced so many magazine covers, been a desirable trophy for so many photographers and pop singers, been so frequently pursued and so frequently won. The famous hair which had been through every latest style for nearly four decades, almost certainly now needed help to maintain its natural auburn, but looked good. The hazel eyes, though surrounded by a tracery of tiny lines, 
was still commanding, and the lithe, full-breasted figure seemed to have made no concessions to the years, though less of its toning now came from the gym than from the extraordinary effort of running Hopwick Country House Hotel. Susie was incapable of dressing badly. Other women in the same pale grey T-shirt, jeans and brown leather slip-on shoes would have looked ordinary, sloppy even. Susie Longthorne could still have stepped straight onto a catwalk. On her, even the blue and white striped butcher's apron looked like a fashion accessory. In fact, a perfect photo shoot could have been done at that moment, the chatelaine of Hopwick House in her kitchen. Like the rest of the hotel, the room had been restored by expensive designers to a high specification. Without losing its 18th century proportions or its wide fireplace, the kitchen had been equipped with the latest culinary devices.